Thanks for listening to this podcast of Trending with Timory from the Relevant Radio app. Anything you share in terms of episodes, whether it's texting it to a friend, posting on social media, helps to build up the kingdom for God to help confront the challenging issues we face as a culture, but with joy, with hope, and with an eternal perspective where our faith collides with everyday life, bringing eternal principles to help us live our life joyfully. So, what's trending? Bridging your Catholic faith with your everyday life. You're listening to Trending with Timory on Relevant Radio. I was flabbergasted when I actually saw that Cosmo Magazine admitted just a couple weeks ago, and it just crossed my desk, that they actually, this is disgusting, they actually recognize abortion as a sacrifice to Satan, a satanic ceremony that they were actually posting about. Cosmopolitan Magazine, the women's magazine, in a push piece to promote chemical abortion. I'll share with you a little bit about that later. Why is this important? Because I think that it's showing how dark abortion is for those people who don't get it. And it's been interesting to me reading Cosmopolitan's magazine uh, posts online where they did this whole piece on how does a satanic abortion ceremony even work. And what's interesting is the majority of the posts, even the pro-abortion ones, were viscerally opposed to posting something like this. In fact, one person said, I'm pro-choice, but why do we got to bring Satan into it? And other people just said, this is so strange. Like, everyone, please don't, don't pay attention to this. But I'm glad that it was posted because it's showing the pro-abortion movement for what it is. And we will talk about that a little bit more here on Trending. You're listening to Trending with Timory here on Relevant Radio. And we are coming up on Christmas. Advent is starting a little later than usual this year. So get ready. Buckle up. I actually caved and took a little bit of Advent stuff out earlier. I'll tell you a little bit about how I was busted taking out a box of things that were slowly going to be brought out during Advent and Christmas. My daughter, I thought, was napping and wasn't. So stay tuned. I'll tell tell you about that. But give you some great Christmas ideas. If you're getting ready for Christmas and you want to give a Catholic spin for gift ideas, I have some that I absolutely love. You're listening to Trending with Timory here on Relevant Radio. My guest today is Father Robert Spitzer. Father Robert Spitzer is the founder of the Magis Center, and he comes to the issue of Catholicism from a very, very scientific perspective, a very reasonable perspective. And I'm always amazed when someone thinks God doesn't exist. I actually believe that there are very few atheists um, for many reasons, but predominantly because God really can't be disproven if you have a rational mindset when you think about God. It's a hard position to stand by. I do think behind it, if you stand by that position that God doesn't exist and you're an atheist, at the end of the day, I think there's usually a wound or severe sense of pride about you that you're not willing to really like logically come to very logical conclusions. But people still do. And maybe that's you. Oh, hitting my water. Maybe that's you. And that's okay. But here's what's great. Father Robert Spitzer addresses specifically this, the issue of how reasonable our faith is and how we should be able to engage easily with people who hold to an atheistic perspective. Father Robert Spitzer is the president of the Magis Center and the author of countless books, including his latest book, Science at the Doorstop to God, which I have with me today. Very excited to dive into some of the content from that book. Father Spitzer, welcome back to Trending. Is theism is theism 
a ra- as rational as atheism is? Uh, well, no, uh, atheism is not. In fact, you cannot disprove the existence of God rationally, but you can prove the existence of God rationally. So first and foremost, uh, atheism can never be rational, period. It cannot be validated in any rational manner. Um, here's why, in a, in a nutshell. There are only three ways of proving or disproving something. One way uh, that you can do that is is to uh, have what we call an observable uh, fact. So you can say, okay, um, uh, how do I know dogs exist? Um, well, um, I, I saw one, and here's the description of a dog, and uh, this animal, which is now in my purview, I can see that it has all the characteristics that come under the classification of dog. But how would I prove that a unicorn does not exist by means of, like, observable data. How would I do that? Well, Timory, I'd have to examine everything that there is to examine, not just on Earth, not just in our universe, but in any possible universe beyond our universe. In fact, in all kinds of places that may exist beyond you know, anything I know about. And then, finally, after examining everything, Note that I I had the capacity to examine everything microscopically, macroscopically that exists in all these particular states, and notice that it's not there. Uh, That's not going to (laughs) happen. So first and foremost, uh, that's that's not a possibility. So you can't disprove um, God or disprove unicorns or disprove anything else by means of observational data. I said she can't do it, observational data alone. In Latin, we just call that an a posteriori argument. So you're not going to have an a posteriori argument against the existence of God or anything else. It's just an impossible thing for us to do as humans. Uh, bullet, uh, you know, let's uh, go to the next uh, uh, um, thought. Well, what's the second mode of uh, disproving God? Well, uh, we use what's called the law of non-contradiction. So in logic and in mathematics and so forth, uh, we can actually know that something exists or something is right by the absence of contradictions or the contradictions of particular axioms. For example, in, in uh, how do I know that there are no square circles? Right? I know there are no square circles because if you try to have the, a square and a circle in the same respect at the same place and time, as the great Aristotle would say, of the same area, guess what? You can't do it. It's an absolute impossibility to create that contradiction. If the square and the circle are of the same area, one has no right angles, the other has four right angles, uh, it's an impossibility to put them together. And so we say, oh, that must be false. It's impossible. It must be false. So there are no square circles. Can John be six foot three and six foot four in the same respect at the same place in time? No, he can't be. Got to pick one if, if there are not two Johns, but we're assuming that the person John is the same individual. So can Queen Elizabeth be dead and alive in the same respect at the same place in time? No. So we say, hey, this is a great way of uh, disproving things, right, is, is to show that there's a contradiction. Well, the definition uh, generally of, um, of um, God uh, in metaphysics is that God is what we call 
you know, a being through itself. So in other words, God is existence through itself. He, he doesn't need a cause. So he's an uncaused existence, mm-hmm. uh, an existence that exists through itself. Okay, uh, can you find a contradiction in existence through itself does not exi- uh, uh, exist, excuse me, uh, ex- existence through itself exists? No, it's not contradictory. The, the, mm-hmm. You know, the, prep, the, the predicate and the subject, right, uh, are existence. And so, you know, existence in one modality, uh, you know, doesn't contradict existence in, in, um, in, in, in toto. So you, you can't metaphysically disprove God. And furthermore, uh, in the proofs for the existence of God, you can actually show concretely and logically that you must have at least one uncaused uh, existence, at least one uncaused reality that exists through itself. Because if you didn't have that one uncaused, then nothing would exist anywhere, including yourself. So if that's the case, number two, by you know what we call an a priori argument, that's not going to work. Then we got a third option, a scientific argument. A scientific argument tries to show, right, you make a hypothesis, and you try to show that the hypothesis disagrees with something in the empirical world or agrees. Now, if we find our hypothesis, it contradicts something we know to be an established fact in the world, right, in the, in the empirical world of science, right, then we'd say, oh, that hypothesis can't be true. <clears throat> that hypothesis is false. But can that apply to God? Here's the problem. God is beyond the universe. God's beyond all universes. God's beyond all physical realities. And if God is beyond all physical realities, you can't say that the thing which is beyond all physical reality is somehow contradicted by physical reality. That's like trying to assemble all the evidence in a cartoon to disprove the cartoonist. <coughs> That's not going to work. So what's the problem? <clears throat> well, all three of these ways of disproving anything, they're not going to work for God. He absolutely avoids all of them. And, of course, the reason is is because you can prove unquestionably that an uncaused reality exists too. And so, as, you, as I said before, that uncaused reality can also be proven to be unrestricted and unique and the constant creator of everything else that is. Now, that's going the opposite way, but can atheism ever be proved? <clears throat> no. Can God ever be disproved by any rational method? No. In that case, fundamentally, atheism is irrational. Just cannot be done. So then, so, Father, um, why do you think is. so many people think when they hold to that perspective? Like, people will say, well, very rational, very intelligent individuals hold to an atheistic mindset, and they're able to defend it quite well. Yet, when I hear debates, even with people such as yourself engaging content such as Richard Dawkins, it falls on its back immediately. Yeah. You see how undefendable it is, yet people try to say it sounds so intelligent when someone claims there's no God. Yeah, well, they uh, and when they do that, they try to disprove a certain kind of God. What we're just talking about here, can you disprove an uncaused, that is to say, a uh, reality that exists through itself, uh, which is unrestricted, which is unique, and which is a creator of everything else? Can you disprove that? No, you cannot 
absolutely, uh, by no means known to human reason, can you disprove God defined that way. Now, if you try, in fact, you have to agree that such a being really exists. Because Mm -hmm. if you try to deny the existence of an uncaused reality that exists through itself, which is unrestricted, unique, and, and a creator of everything else, then everything in the whole of reality disappears immediately. And so, um, you know, essentially, it would be the disproof of yourself. But as long (laughs) as you're willing to say, I exist, then, of course, you're going to have to say that God exists. And that's what I do in Chapter 4 of this book, as I I, I show the the proof and I show the inevitability of the conclusion and why so many metaphysicians have agreed with it. Now, you take, for example, uh, Dawkins. He had one of his uh, great proofs uh, that God didn't exist, you know, in his uh, uh, God Delusion book, right? But let's take a look at what Dawkins actually uh, said in his uh, so-called proof against God, so his proof of the non-existence of God. His first step is, hey, um, uh, whatever is more complex is more improbable. Second premise God is the most complex reality of all. A conclusion, therefore, God must be the most improbable being of all. Now, you look at that on the face value, and of course, a Thomist would recognize the problems immediately, but the first, nobody's going to argue with the first premise, right? Uh, you know, whatever's more complex is more um, um, uh, improbable. Of course, that's true. Nobody will dispute it. I agree with it fully. It's the second premise. That's the killer bee, where he says God is the most complex reality of all. No, 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 no. It's just the opposite. Because, of course, if you have an uncaused reality, I mean, fundamentally, that's what we mean at the end of the day by God, an uncaused reality existing through itself, which is unrestricted, unique, and and a creator. If you try to say um, that such a reality is complex, uh, you'll come up with a big, fat contradiction. There can't be any parts in an unrestricted reality. So if, you, if the uncaused reality has to be unrestricted, and there's a very good proof of that in Chapter 4 of my book, if you say that, then, of course, you'd have to say, well, an unrestricted reality can't have any parts, because if you have parts in an unrestricted reality, parts have sizes. And, of course, you have more parts in the whole. So, of course, if you constitute something by parts um, that that, uh, uh, constitute a whole, you're going to have to have something which is restricted both interiorly and exteriorly. So you can't have an unrestricted being that's complex. It's absolutely impossible. And as St. Thomas Aquinas recognized a long time ago, an unrestricted reality must be perfectly simple. It has to have no parts. No divisions, no magnitudes, no extension, no temporality, et cetera, et cetera. Now, this, he's got really good proofs of this in both De Veritate and De Potentia Dei. Mm-hmm. Now, I mean, wish Dawkins had read that book. <laughs> so let's take a look now at Dawkins' syllogism in light of what we've said. Premise number one, what's more complex is more improbable, indisputable. P- uh, number two, God must be the most simple reality of all. He can have no parts in him, no complexity in him, because that would rule out his being unrestricted and therefore rule out his being an uncaused reality. And in that case, he's not God. 
So now let's put it together in the conclusion. If more complexity means more improbability, and God has no complexity, then God is the most probable, the most probable reality of all. I mean, basically, if Dawkins had just gotten the second premise correct, and if, as he claims, right, he, he, he pretends that he's read Aquinas' notions of God and really knows what he's talking about. But if he had bothered to read the book, uh, you know, in other words, uh, Summa Theologica, De Potentia Dei, De Veritate, mm-hmm. anything. I mean, countries in Chile, read any of the proofs. It would be very clear to Dawkins that there is no way that second premise is sustainable under any kind of Thomistic or religious metaphysical system. Uh, God has to be simple because an uncaused reality has to be simple. So if that's the case, and God's the most probable reality of all, thank you very much, Richard Dawkins. <laughs> and so, well, by the way, speaking of Dawkins, you know, of course, he's changed his mind. He's no longer an atheist. He's now declared that he is an agnostic and, of course, uh, um, he was debating, you know, Archbishop Williams in, in England. And uh, Sir um, Anthony Kelly, uh, uh, Kenny, uh, a very famous linguistic uh, analytic philosopher in, in England, was moderating the debate. And, of course, it, you know, Williams, uh, Archbishop Williams had all Dawkins backed up against the wall. And finally, Dawkins admits, he says, well, you know, I'm, I'm not really an atheist. I'm an agnostic. And Sir Anthony Ke- Kenny just goes, wait! He says, you premised your entire career on being an atheist. You're the primary atheist of, of modern culture. You're the spokesman for the new atheism, and you're now declaring yourself to be an agnostic? And Dawkins goes, yes. Well, all I can tell you is we live in very, very strange times. But, um, yeah, he's still got his God Delusion website up there, even though he's now claimed that his curiosity has <clears throat> uh, trumped his skepticism, and he's no longer an atheist. It's a but step anyway, in the right that's direction. That's a great debate. That, that is fantastic. Yeah, I'll absolutely. have to go back and read the debate but, or listen to the debate because I've not listened to it. But I think when I'm listening yeah. to all of this, Father, and if you're just joining us, that's Father Robert yeah. Spitzer. He's a president of the Magis Center. And Father, as I'm thinking through all of this, you talk about how simple God is and you explain how he has no parts. Mm-hmm. He has no temporality and how this is really clearly laid out by St. Thomas Aquinas. But sometimes I think yep. people separate out Jesus from God and they go, okay, well, if Jesus is God. I have a hard time understanding the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And so you also add in then the fact that Jesus was a temporal human being. And people say, well, did we kill God? And it's perplexing for people to understand (laughs) why God, who is also Jesus, uh, could be proven in the same sense as you're explaining in his simplicity when what happened with Jesus was very complex. Okay, I just got to make three distinctions before I can answer that. Very good question. The first uh, distinction that we have to make is how many gods can you have? How many unrestricted realities can you have? You can only have one unrestricted reality. Now here, and you can prove it easily. I mean, even Plato and Aristotle understood you can only have one. Hey, if you had two unrestricted realities, then one of the unrestricted realities would have to have something be something, be somewhere, be in another dimension that the other one was not. Now, if the other one that's not in that dimension, not have that something, you know, is not uh, in that place or whatever it might be, that reality which does not have the characteristics that the first unrestricted reality has, 
that by definition would be a restricted reality. In other words, if it didn't have this and it didn't do that and it wasn't in this dimension, all those knots are finite, finite, restriction, 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 restriction. So now just listen to this now. So if you say, ah, there's a second um, unrestricted reality, then by definition, in order to have it, you'd have to give it restrictions. So the second unrestricted reality would be a restricted, unrestricted reality. Yike, that doesn't work. Remember the second criterion up above? That's a contradiction, an analytical contradiction on the face of it. So an unrestricted reality can, must be one and only one. Now we get to your question. Well, what about Jesus? How, how do we get into that? If you don't mind, I'm just going to get into the Trinity for just one second. So, for example, uh, what the Christian Church realized is that if you have what we call an unrestricted intelligence, by the way, you know, the unrestricted reality cannot be a material reality. That's all explained in Chapter 4. The only way you can have an unrestricted reality, totally unrestricted, it has to be transmaterial, it's going to have to be transtemporal, it's going to have to be transphysical uh, in and of itself. So the only way we, we, we say it, it's basically an immaterial or a transphysical reality, which the best analogy that we have right in our world is our consciousness. We are rational intelligence and consciousness is a very good example of an immaterial reality. Okay, now, uh, it doesn't have a brain, right? So this intelligence is not linked to a material substance. This is an immaterial substance uh, that the brain is linked to. So now if you, we look at it from that vantage point, now we ask ourselves, ah, well, then you've got this unrestricted. So you mean to say that the unrestricted reality must be an unrestricted intelligence? Yes, that's exactly what Thomas is saying. It's exactly what I'm saying. And there's a really good proof of it by a, a philosopher named Bernard Lonergan uh, in a book called Insight, a, a, a Theory of Human Understanding. If you go to chapter 19, you can see that proof. It's a very good proof. So uh, the unrestricted reality has to be an unrestricted act of, uh, of intelligence or an unrestricted intelligence. Now you think to yourself, well, could that unrestricted intelligence support three what we'll call persons right now, three self-consciousnesses? Now, I'm just going to define a person for the moment in terms of the way that Jean Gallo did, uh, that self-consciousness uh, is, is a, a way of distinguishing persons. So when you think, I know this gets complicated, but, uh, you know, hang in there. Uh, but uh, the main thing to remember is, okay, I'm conscious of this phone that I'm talking through, but I'm also conscious of being conscious of the phone. So I could, another, way, another word for conscious is where? Um, I'm not only aware of the phone, I'm aware of being aware of the phone. And I can even be aware of being aware of my awareness. And so you, I, I can do a triple? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Now, what happens when you, Timory, do a triple? You have your own universe. Now, I'm going to just tell you this right now. Self-consciousness has to transcend physical laws and properties. There's a very good proof of that. The very fact that you can do a triple on yourself... I mean, Nim Chimsky can't do that, and no um, machine can do that. It's completely beyond uh, any kind of a machine intelligence. has to be transferred. So the main thing to remember is there are three self-consciousnesses making an unconditional use of the one unrestricted intelligence. 
So that's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So con- uh, self-consciousness number one is the lover. Self-consciousness number two is the beloved. And self-consciousness number three, the Holy Spirit, is the beloved of the lover and the beloved. Now, if you take a look at that, you can actually show that what became incarnate, the second self-consciousness becomes incarnate in an earthly form. God never becomes, you know, incarnate. He can't because God is unrestricted and material forms are all restricted. So that would be a restricted, unrestricted reality. That would be no good contradiction. But it is the self-consciousness of the second person of the Trinity, the self-consciousness that's making use of the unrestricted intelligence that becomes incarnate, that becomes, as it were, Jesus Christ in our midst uh, 2,000 years ago. And I see now the connection where we spoke last time you were with us about the scientific evidence for the transcendent soul, because you're touching on the immaterial dimension of the human person. And if we can understand that with a human person, we can understand that as well with God. Am I tracking correctly? You're tracking 100% correctly. Very, very intelligent. Well, we'll have to link to that episode because I think that although we covered it first, it is a part two and also sets the landscape for this entire conversation of understanding how science is proving time and time again the transcendent soul, the reality of our faith, that theism is more rational than atheism. And even people such as Richard Dawkins, who now says he's no longer an atheist, uh, this helps us to understand and maybe even have those conversations that seem extremely complex. But if we sit here with the material, and this is what I love about your work, Father Spitzer, if we sit here with the material and just continue to grapple with it, we see how reasonable it is to even engage those very challenging and very heady arguments that are actually very practical and easy to dive into if we take the time. And this is what I love about your work. So I want to do a plug for your book, his latest book, Father Robert Spitzer, The Science at the Doorstep to God. That's Science at the Doorstep to God. Father Spitzer, do you have a minute to stay with us to answer a question about the string theory? Yes, yes, I do. Okay, we'll be right back here on Trending with Timory with Father Robert Spitzer taking a question about the string theory and more here on the show from Christmas present ideas. If you're in the season of shopping, hopefully you didn't finish all of that on Black Friday. And also interesting news about the satanic ritual of abortion that Cosmopolitan Magazine is actually posting all over on social media trying to push medical abortion, but it's actually scaring people away from abortion. I'll be right back here on Trending. We're talking about what you're thinking about. You're listening to Trending with Timory on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Welcome back to Trending. Father Robert Spitzer is joining me today on Trending. He's the president of the Magis Center, and we're discussing scientific proofs for God. We just dove into the issue of how atheism really isn't provable. It's not defendable at all. Period. And if you're wondering about that, you can listen to the podcast later. You can find Father Spitzer's latest book that we've been discussing much of the content from. It's called Science at the Doorstep to God. That's Science at the Doorstep to God. Father Spitzer, Rudy's on the line from Orange County, California. Rudy, what's your question for Father Spitzer today? Hi, Father. First, I'd like to say thank you very much. I got to actually see you at St. John Cinnamary many years ago in Camarillo in California. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. I remember that. <laughs> and the question is, I have a brother-in-law that believes in the, the string theory. Uh-huh. So I'm wondering if yeah. you have written any books on it or you could recommend any books and how to 
contradict that? Yeah, sure. Uh, first of all, um, I do have uh, this book we're talking about right now, Science at the Doorstep to God. If you take a look at chapters one and two, I absolutely do discuss the string theory. Uh, basically, str- a string theory means it's talking about an 11-dimensional or sometimes 13-dimensional uh, um, way of looking at what we call higher dimensional space. And in that higher dimensional space, like tw- 11, 12, 13 dimensions, uh, you can actually um, have very, very, um, let's just say, uh, um, uh, strange uh, uh, thoughts about um, like two, three dimensional membranes colliding in a four dimensional bulk space time that's burping out all kinds of other universes. And there's all kinds of other things you can do with string theory, nucleating, uh, bubble universes, etc. Now, here's the problem uh, with string theory, um, at, you know, at, at the base. Um, fundamentally, you can't get around the fact um, of what we call the board of Lincoln and Guth proof. And that's in the book. And basically what that proof says is that all expanding cosmologies are always going to have to have some beginning in the finite past. That's the proof you want. So look for the BVG proof, the Board of Lincoln Guth proof. That's the first way of looking at that. Uh, even Stephen Hawking, you know, changed his mind completely. And um, in uh, 2018, in his very last scientific article in the Journal of High Energy Physics with his partner, Thomas Hertog, uh, Hawking basically switched on a dime and basically said, look, um, you know, you can't have an infinite multiverse. Uh, you know, even the string theory landscape, which postulates what we call an, an, a possible infinite potential infinity, you're not going to be able to have anything like that. He shows from, you know, the two gravitational wave detectors, Lisa and LIGO, along with Thomas Hertog, uh, shows that you cannot have uh, eternal inflation, you can't have uh, an infinite um, uh, eternal string universe, uh, you can't even have an infinite bouncing universe, you can't have an infinite multiverse. So what are you left with? You're left with a beginning, says Hawking. And Hawking and Hertog, and, you know, um, throw in a lot of other physicists besides, Hawking and Hertog and their, and their uh, uh, group, basically, if you have a beginning of physical reality, uh, Rudy, here's how it goes. After, prior to that beginning, right, physical reality, I don't care whether it's a string universe, a multiverse, a higher dimensional space universe, an oscillating universe, it doesn't matter. Prior to a, physical, prior to a beginning, physical reality was nothing. Now, the second premise is really clear. What can you say about nothing? Nothing, because it's nothing. The only thing nothing can do is nothing. And if that's the case, you, can't, you don't want to sneak any something into nothing. Just let nothing be nothing. Then in the third case, if you have a beginning of physical reality, a multiverse, string universe, etc., if you have a beginning to physical reality, then prior to that beginning, when physical reality was nothing, it could not have moved itself from nothing to something because it was nothing and could only do nothing. Conclusion. Something else, something transcending physical reality completely, something transcending physical space and time completely, something uh, that we would call a transcendent uh, reality has to have the power and has to cause or create physical reality from nothing, ex nihilo. And if you believe in a beginning, you're believing in a creator. You're not going to be able to escape it. 
you know, and so, um, you know, you can see, you know, uh, Thomas Banks, for example, has rejected eternal inflation, and a whole lot of other people have um, rejected it. So what does that mean? Well, Hawking not only said there has to be a beginning in playing a creator, Hawking actually went so far as to say, well, if there is a multiverse, there can only be a small number of bubble universes, whether that be a string universe, whether that be a multiverse, whatever it is, a small number of bubble universes, well, that's never going to explain any of our fine-tuning constants, right? So if, if you've got, um, you know, let's say, uh, just talk about low entropy of our universe necessary for life. The odds against our low entropy are the Penrose number, right? 10 raised to the 10 raised to the 123 to 1 against. That's the same odds as a monkey typing the entire corpus of Shakespeare by random tapping of the keys in a single try. Uh, highly improbable. So looking at that, uh, we can say, well, can you explain then with maybe 10,000 bubble universes, that would be the outside limit for Hawking's uh, 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 theory. Can you explain with 10,000 bubble universes how you could get the monkey uh, to type the entire corpus of Shakespeare by random? Of course you can't. Not even close. So what does that require? We're getting very, very close to scientists uh, now pointing not only to a beginning of physical reality, whether it's a multiverse or string universe, et cetera, but they're actually pointing to an intelligence, a super high intelligence. I'll just leave you with Fred uh, Hoyle, who used to be, by the way, the great atheistic gadfly of the physics community, right? This guy, uh, every time he turned around, he was the great defender of atheism. Well, he did a Dawkins. He turned around, and uh, finally, uh, after he looked at the uh, equations and the resonance levels uh, that were required in order to have an abundance of carbon in the universe, he says, it seems to me that the numbers that we're talking about can't possibly be explained naturalistically. There must be some super-calculating, super-intellect that has monkeyed with the constants of <laughs> physics and those of chemistry and biology as well. I consider this to be beyond the shadow of a doubt. So, um, Rudy, um, just get that book, Science at the Doorstep to God. Zoom over to chapters 1 and 2, and there you will see um, the, um, the uh, um, uh, arguments uh, why the string universe will not be workable, why the string theory landscape is not workable, and why at the end of the day you're going to have to have even a beginning of a string universe or some other esoteric universe like a multiverse, et cetera. You're going to have to have a beginning of all of those models of physical reality. Father Spitzer, what amazes me about some of these questions that seem so startling and overwhelming and something that I wouldn't necessarily dive into engaging, I hear at the core of it, yeah. like the arguments in, in all of the details if we can understand things such as first cause and intelligent design and have understanding of the soul, it really does help in engaging these really difficult conversations that seem almost impossible at times or unrealistic to engage in. But it mm -hmm. is. You show how it's possible, and I really appreciate that. Oh, thanks, Timory. And that's what that whole book was written for. I, I try to do both of them. Uh, by the way, I said chapter four today. I meant chapter three is where you're going to find the philosophical proof for the existence of God. So a uh, little misstatement there. But anyway, the long and the short of it is I try to do both. I try to look at the proofs um, uh, not only from science for a soul, but the proofs from philosophy for a soul. I looked at the proofs from philosophy for God and the proofs from science mm -hmm. for an intelligent creature. 
creator and so forth and so on. So I try to combine both, but you're absolutely right. The more preparation we have, even from a philosophical position, like the brilliant one of Thomas Aquinas, gosh, I wish I had half his IQ. I, I you know, I'd, I'd really be happy, but, uh, you know, God I gave me what I have. Not really. Uh, that guy was so smart. He goes off the charts, but anyway, uh, the long and the short of it is, you know, um, it, there's so much evidence out there. Yeah. And now you've got a lot of guys like Dawkins doing a switch and Hawking doing yes. a switch. It, we, we, it, it ought to be noticeable to folks. Yeah. Yep. It's incredible. Well, if you haven't caught the book, Science at the Doorstep to God is Father Robert Spitzer's latest book. The other one that I have close at hand when engaging these types of arguments is New Proofs for the Existence of God, also by Father Robert Spitzer. So we'll link to those on social media as well as in the episode notes. Father Spitzer, thank you so much for joining us and a couple days early. Happy Advent. I'll be right back here on Trending to dive into Christmas gift ideas. If you're in the season of wanting to pick up some Catholic Christmas gifts, I have a few go-to places I love to shop at and also other interesting news about a satanic abortion ritual that Cosmo Magazine is promoting, showing just how barbaric abortion actually is. But what's interesting is to actually read the comments on this Cosmo push for abortion, specifically chemical abortion. I'll be right back here on Trending. We're talking about what you're thinking about. You're listening to Trending with Timory on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. I came across the creepiest Cosmopolitan magazine Instagram post. It was posted a couple weeks ago, but people are just starting to talk about it. I opened up the post. My jaw dropped at the fact that Cosmo actually admitted that abortion is a satanic ritual. Now, not that every woman who goes to have an abortion, understands this, knows it, and chooses it in this way. But literally, understand this. Abortion is the sacrifice of the devil. Satan loves abortion. And I bring this up because they showed their cards. Like the Satanists, Wicca, all of that, they showed their cards. Abortion, human sacrifice, is a part of their barbaric, horrific religious practice. Now, here's what happened. Cosmopolitan Magazine, yes, that junk magazine that no one should read, but people do. They post on social media that this, this is what their post. It says, so how does a satanic abortion ceremony even work? And it goes through giving you guidelines and actually promoting a satanic abortion clinic in New Mexico. It's being used as a means to promote chemical abortion, basically. And as I'm looking at this, my jaw's just dropping reading what they're saying. Just to read a little bit from it, it says, the last part of it says, once the procedure is complete, return to your reflection. That is in the mirror because they tell you to use a mirror while you're having an abortion. And it says, focus again on your personhood, your power of making this decision. Complete the ritual by reciting a personal affirmation. Quote, my body, my blood, my will, it is done. This is creepy. It shows, though, the truth of abortion, that abortion has always been a part of the bloody sacrifice of a satanic ritual that Satan, the devil, loves. They usurp and they take everything that is holy and they flip it on its back. And just give a comparison. Everything in Satanism, everything in Wicca is counterfeit. What do we have in the mass? We, yes, it's kind of barbaric, especially for people who maybe haven't thought about it this way in a while or maybe aren't Catholic. What is the Mass? The Mass is a reliving of the sacrifice of Christ. 
of us literally consuming his body and blood through his loving sacrifice of himself that he endured the crucifixion that others forced upon him for the salvation of our souls. Now, think about what Satanism is. Satanism, Wicca, actually uses human sacrifice as a part of their so-called, quote, rituals and, quote, liturgies. But they use the killing of other people's babies. They use the killing of babies. So whether that's people working in the abortion industry who are fans of Satanism, and that's part of the reason why they do this, and that's not the only reason why everyone in the abortion movement does this, but the pushing force behind it is satanic. It's barbaric. The devil loves abortion. And here's what's interesting, though, and this is what gives me hope on this whole story because I don't want to be a Debbie Downer when talking about this. I've been reading through the comments and responses from people who are followers of Cosmopolitan magazine when they saw this post, which, by the way, Cosmo speaks volumes because for a while they had this pinned to the top of their Instagram so that it was one of the main stories that you saw. Here's the response. People, Courtney Rose says, unfollowed and reported. Another person says, hard pass, upside down crosses are despicable. So they put upside down crosses in the post because Satanism loves to do that. Again, everything's counterfeit. Uh, Another person says, since when promoting satanic things come, since when have, since when have promoting satanic things become cool? WTF, this world is lost. Another person says, that's just saying they were right the whole time. Abortion is associated with evil. Another person who's in favor of it says, all the all of the normal people say, wait, abortion is satanic? But us, that is people who are pro-abortion, really pro-abortion, say it always has been. Isn't this interesting? So it's only the people who really, really have known that abortions at the core of Satanism are saying, yeah, but people are just finding out for the first time. Elijah commented and said, these comments give me hope we will win. Why? Because most of the response from the pro-life and the pro-abortion side is a visceral, hard no for me, dog. That's disgusting. Another person said, I'm so glad I stopped reading your, we'll just say crappy magazine, when my frontal lobe was fully developed. I think that's great, especially coming from a woman. Like, I'm so glad I stopped reading this awful magazine when I realized how terrible it is. Another person says, every abortion pleases Satan. Fact. So I don't know if they're in favor of abortion or opposed to to abortion, but they just threw it out there. Another person said, huh? I'm confused. This is so strange. The fact that y'all pin the post, it speaks volumes. You all need Jesus. These responses are fantastic. Again, these responses make me happy because they are showing how radical the pro-abortion movement is that people who have been in favor of abortion and don't understand the connection to Satanism and Wicca are jumping ship, unfollowing places like the most, I don't know if I could put it in other words, Cosmopolitan Magazine, the Cosmo Girl, is the quintessential billboard campaign for abortion. We know people such as Suellen Browder, who worked for Cosmopolitan Magazine for years, who said one of their main things that they did at Cosmo was they created stories to promote the Cosmo girl who was this so-called sexually free woman who needed a contraception and needed abortion. And at all costs, that's what they promoted, abortion and contraception. And I think people are waking up when they see 
the dark side of Cosmopolitan Magazine, the dark side of abortion, the truth that this is human sacrifice and this is what is Satanism. This is what the devil wants. And most people don't want to be involved in that. And so I think this is a great talking point. I know it might startle some people, but hey, if Cosmo Magazine can talk about the connection between abortion and Satan, I think you and I can too, and actually show the connection. Now, here's the deal. I think there are a lot of people who are responding to this post saying, whoa, I had no had an abortion. This isn't anything with regard to what I was thinking. I didn't realize this connection. I want to throw this out there. So many women have been told and lied to by the culture that abortion is necessary to be a woman and a functioning member of society. That's a lie, and many women have come out on the other side with severe battle wounds. That's why I want to put this resource out there. If you or someone you know has had an abortion, whether you knew about the satanic roots of abortion or not, whether you're disgusted by Cosmopolitan Magazine, what we need is a path forward in healing for those who have experienced abortion. It's very common in our culture. Supportafterabortion.com is an excellent resource to help start healing from the wounds of abortion. If you know someone who's had an abortion and there's a time or a place where it might be brought up again, please use this resource, supportafterabortion.com. We know that often once a woman has one abortion, she's apt to have another. And so the hope is, is that by helping to heal a woman who has experienced the horror of abortion, by helping to bring that out into the light, we can bring hope and even God willing, God's grace and mercy into her life to help her heal from that wound. Supportafterabortion.com is that resource. I know this is a little bit of a startling story, but I think the good news is the response, the visceral response of person after person commenting on how creepy it is that the pro-abortion movement is showing its real roots, and that is that it stems from Satanism. You're listening to Trending with Timory here on Relevant Radio. We'll just pray. I encourage you to pray, especially during this Advent and Christmas season, for women who are pregnant, women who are considering having an abortion. Christmas time is a season, unfortunately, that has some of the highest rates of abortion. And so I want to encourage you to pray and surround those people you might know who might be even possibly pregnant with hope in the midst of this season in help and support. Know where your local crisis pregnancy center is. As we heard the news, places on the East Coast are actually blocking people from being able to find their local crisis pregnancy center. And so make sure you know where it is. Post about it occasionally. Get some flyers. Put them up at your church, at the local high schools, local coffee shops. Get the information out there so that we don't just rely on Google to help point the way when someone's looking up help I'm pregnant, but that we actually have real information and knowledge of, hey, that local center helps women who are pregnant. And we know this in our community. So make sure you're spreading the word and making this a regular part of day-to-day conversation and resources in your community, wherever there are bulletin boards and means to do so. You're listening to Trending with Tim Marie here on Relevant Radio. Get into the Christmas spirit with Advent carols of comfort and joy from Relevant Radio. Featuring the incredible talents of three young choirs, take the musical journey to Christmas and even travel through a brief history of carols with our free daily videos. Get all of these beautiful, joyful carols every day of Advent. Sign up at relevantradio.com carols. 
That's relevantradio.com slash carols. Okay, Christmas gift ideas. My sister cracks me up because she always says, Timory, how did you find this Catholic gift? I love this because I personally am guilty of trying to buy Catholic gifts for a lot of things, not just baptism, but birthdays and Christmas. I love it. I love a lot of our Catholic resources and they're really neat research. So my favorite, one of my go-tos is Shining Light Dolls. In fact, I just received a box from Shining Light Dolls of a bunch of great Advent and Christmas content. I opened the box uh, actually uh, during um, an Instagram live video. So if you want to see some of what we got, great Advent content. They are fantastic. They're my usual go-to and have been for years, even before I had kids for baptism gifts, among others, because they're things that aren't breakable. So you can even give a little kid and they can have that theme of a patron saint. Or, for example, today um, we walked through the new nativity scene, the wooden, wooden nativity scene from Shining Light Dolls. That's really a toy. It brings these Catholic symbols and beauty of our faith to children and really awakens it. So check out Shining Light Dolls. I post a link to a couple of things I love and shared some of it on social media today. So be sure to check out my Instagram for that. Another great company, and this is for more so adults, teenagers, teenage girls as well, is My Saint My Hero. MySaintMyHero.com. They have beautiful Catholic jewelry. Very simple, very tasteful. If you're not someone who blatantly wants to wear Catholic jewelry but wants to wear something beautiful that is also Catholic, they are a great place to go to with tons of symbolism behind all of their jewelry. Some that's a little more obviously Catholic, others that is a little more subtle. So My Saint My Hero is another one of my favorite resources Catholic uh, house um, decoration, Catholic apparel, really neat stuff at House of Jopa. I think that's how you say it. It's houseofjopa.com. They have everything. I've received gifts from them from jewelry. I actually have a sacred heart from them and then also a really beautiful holy water font. But they're really tastefully done house decor. And I think that you'll enjoy some of what you see there. Another thing that I thought I'd recommend is I received this as a gift earlier this year. It was a mother love manual for Catholic mothers. It was written over 1,500 years ago, and the manual is fantastic. It gives sound guidance to moms in raising their children. One example, it doesn't just have prayers, but actually guidelines for things that you should teach your child, but also things to look for in your children. For example, three primary sins that usually are very prevalent in children, and at least one of them is prevalent, how to counter that and see it as lifting its head in the early years to start addressing. And I've actually seen it already with my own kids trying to navigate that. And I love that Catholic guide to do so. And also just a favorite Catholic book. And we'll have more content that I'll be promoting for books and others coming in the coming days. But Carry Me, Blessed Mother book. I'm posting a link to it on social media. It has all the key Marian doctrines. It has a little handle. My toddler loves it to this day. So Check out those resources in the episode notes, relevantradio.com forward slash trending or on social media. Up next is a family rosary. This is Timory from Trending with Timory. Kick off the first week of Advent, journey to Bethlehem and the birth of Christ by preparing the way with us each day here on Trending. Monday, Father Nathan Cromley joins me discussing hope as the theme of the first week of Advent. Also, we'll discuss getting ahead on the upcoming feast day of St. Nicholas Day how to celebrate it, fun things you can do at home. So join me 6 p.m. Central on Relevant Radio or the Relevant Radio app.